this is Core House, Cornafane. Core is the name of the townland, and Cornafane is the local postal district. This house has been in the, my husband's family for a number of years. His grandfather married in here in 1850. He married Miss Harkness, and uh, we really haven't got any records, unfortunately, much of the history of that time. But the Ferris's have been here that time, in that during that time, and uh, my husband, my late husband, was a farmer and uh, farmed here. As I walk the road from Kilishandra, weary I sit down, for it's twelve long miles around the lake to get to Cavan Town. It's situated about ten miles from Cavan. We've got a lovely view. We're up on top of a hill, and we look across to due east to Cavan over the valley of the Urn. And uh, from the front of the house, we can see the lights of Cavan, which are rather nice to see at night, a long line of lights. Uh, when the sun is shining in a certain way, you can see the gold of the cross of the Catholic Cathedral in Cavan. Uh, that is due east. And then due south, you look down to Castle Pollard, um, the old, uh, old castle, the Loch Crewe Hills, and a little hill over Mullingar, so that when groups come when the children's, particularly children's outings, I'm able to point out to them four counties. They can see Old Castle in County Westmeath, um, Castle Pollard in County Meath, uh, Granard Church Steeple just appears over the shoulder of our local hill, County Longford, and then, as I say to them, we're standing in County Cavan. So that I'm teaching, I hope, the children a little uh, geography as well as other things. Uh, Cornerfane is also very famous for uh, footballers. Well, not so much now, but some years past, the greats who uh, played for the county, uh, John Joe O'Reilly, Willie Young, uh, they were among the best footballers around, uh, both of whom have passed away now. Cornerfane, once famous for its footballers in the great days when Cavan County teams were winning All-Ireland Championships, is now equally on the map because of an unusual museum containing what has become known as the Pig House Collection. The museum is in, or rather behind, a big square country house in the well-wooded townland of Cor, and it's the result of many years collecting and assembling on the part of Mrs Phyllis Ferris, whose husband John Ferris, a contemporary of the author Samuel Beckett at Portora Royal School, died four years ago. The collection, which covers a wide variety of subjects apart from the folk material which forms its nucleus, is very much a one-woman show. And Mrs Ferris's achievement is the more remarkable in that Carr House is not exactly the most accessible place in County Cavan. No, because we're on a by-road, as it were. We're on the old road from Cordofane to uh, Kilishandra. And so when you're coming from, from Crossdoney to Kilishandra, you've got to come on the Arva Road and then take a right turn so that you're parallel to the main Crostoni Kilishandra road. But uh, the Midland uh, Tourist Board have been very good and they've put up about five signs. They put them up last year for me. And uh, these have been very useful from the point of view of the museum because a lot of people coming past see them. And so the last few years I've had a lot of uh, foreign visitors who've come in just on chance. And uh, this has been a great help because up to that I had, a, and, and I do have, a card with a map on it. 
but that's only when you send it out to people whereas the these people passing see the uh, museum sign and they come up and therefore it's handy uh, the midland tourist board also have helped me in two ways they've uh, they gave me a grant some years ago to widen the avenue so that all the buses can come up the biggest buses in ireland as the bus drivers assure me have come up and uh, this is a great help because in the beginning they were afraid to come the, although it was the, the surface was solid enough it wasn't wide enough and so they um, have come up and we've got a turning place so that that part is all right and the road is, has been widened now this room we're in in fact although it's not part of the folk museum has uh, quite an interesting collection of pictures and all sorts of objects well some of the pictures are uh, some of my relations and the things that i'm really fondest of i think in this room are those four plaques now i don't know the history they were hanging in our drawing room at home but they're spring, summer, autumn, winter. And as you can see, they're very lovely ladies uh, depicting the seasons. Uh, spring has a little child beside her with, with uh, things that come up in the spring, and then summer, showing summer fruits and things, and autumn with the uh, harvest, she's sitting on sheaves of corn. And they're very delicate, and then the winter, they put their hands over a fire in the snow. And they're very, very nicely made uh, plaques. I, I don't know anything about them, but I'm very fond of them. They're very brightly coloured or nicely coloured with velvet surrounds. Well, now, you'd like to know how my museum started. Um, in 1967, I had a lot of uh, articles which had been left to me by my mother and my sister, my aunt, they were both hoarders, and uh, which was lucky for me, and they really couldn't throw away, away anything, really, so that there were frocks and lace and pictures and things of that nature. And when my aunt and then later my mother died, I did have the nucleus of a collection. And to give you an idea of what I mean, my aunt, when we cleared up after my aunt's death, we found a bicycle lamp. She was a great cyclist. She was one of the first cyclist, lady cyclists, I think, around Kalini. And uh, we found a, a bicycle with the candle, actually, in it. A bicycle with a candle. Well, now, I think uh, any other old lady of 75 or going on to 80 would probably have parted with that, whereas my aunt still had it on her pantry shelf. And so, um, in 68, I had things here. In 67, I had things here which I showed people, lace and that. And then I began to think it was rather a pity not to have it on display. And um, it, to cut a long story short, I asked my husband if I might have the old pig house. And he rather reluctantly said I might. Now, I was very anxious to call it, uh, not to call it a folk museum, because it isn't a folk museum. I have lots of things that I've picked up on my travels one way or another, or even things that I've thought interesting that are not folk. And so I came to the conclusion that I'd call it a collection. And um, perhaps I was uh, swayed a little by having in my young days seen the Wallace Collection in London, which is such a beautiful, wonderful collection, that uh, perhaps the word collection appealed to me. But I decided to call it the Pig House Collection. Now, a lot of people uh, have very different views on the title. I've had 
people from abroad who think it's a wonderful title. I've had people from home who think, oh, Mrs. Ferris, would you not change the title? It's such a terrible title. But as I say, at least whether they like it or don't like it, they will remember it. It's a title which I think uh, can be remembered. Um, in 1967, I began to work at it, and uh, a local man who has been very helpful to me all down the years called Jem Armstrong, he came and helped me build it. He and his son, Henry, uh, were the ones who built it. And then in later years, as we extended, um, we had Archie Murdy, who was also a local man who helped me, and um, Mr. Smith of uh, Butler's Bridge, who did all the wiring, and who's been very, very good and kind to me and helpful. As I say, it, it uh, has increased. I've been given a lot of presents. People have been very kind. I had the, the nucleus of the collection, but people were very kind, particularly in the early days, and guilds and ICA guilds and things who came brought me gifts and uh, local people gave me things which they thought would be of interest. And then, of course, I go to uh, an odd auction and I go to, to uh, the Dandelion Market and places like that if I'm in town in the hopes of picking up something interesting. So that I have now um, listed uh, about 2,500 articles which is quite a lot, and uh, I have four houses. The first big original house, uh, then a second house, which has mostly, not all, but mostly folk items. And then uh, in 76, I, um, my husband allowed me to have the, the old buyer, and we uh, put a fresh floor in there, in the loft, and put in stairway, and it was opened. So that I have, uh, it's 40 feet by... 20 roughly, uh, doubled, uh, and even now I'm really getting running out of space in a sense because the um, articles I have I need to show in a, in, a, in a wider context. I also have some farm machinery outside and uh, it's of interest to people coming. People following the signposts to the Pig House Museum can arrive at Car House at all sorts of times. And that, of course, can present problems for a woman with many other interests and responsibilities, working virtually on her own. I find it very difficult to get time. Up to this, since I lost my husband in 1976, I've been farming here myself, and I've had a 50 ewe flock and uh, some cattle. But this year I have uh, not done that, so I hope to have a little more time, because it uh, is very time-consuming. Because while I always expect parties, guilds or school outings or women's clubs or what have you to let me know when they're coming, um, the casual visitor who comes can come at any hour of the day or night. And if I'm here, I'm only too happy to show them around. Of course, if I'm not here, uh, well, it's just closed because I just have uh, local help in the morning and... Uh, Mrs. Venerty is very good about showing people around, and if she's here in the afternoon, she lives in a house near me, uh, she will show them around. But if she's not here, it, of course, of necessity, it, it isn't open. That's for holding wool and, and winding wool. Not so many years ago before wool came in the little coils that it does when it came in, in long loops, you would put it around a circle, and um, as you pulled, it's a wheel like a spinning wheel, really, That's and right. a stand. Yes, and as you wound a wall into a ball, this rotated, and uh, it saved you from having to call somebody to hold the wall for you. Yes. <laughs>
Well, now that we've come into the museum, um, there's such a lot in this first museum, really, that it's very difficult to, to um, really to know what to talk about. But I suppose some of the in most interesting things are the dresses. I have a very nice dress, a uh, black dress, which uh, I date to about 1863, which came from my mother's uh, house. I don't really know anything about the history of it, but it obviously belonged to some of our relations. And it's a black dress which is, has lovely little embroidered red and green sprays and has a train, uh, or at least a, a long piece out behind. Not exactly a train, but, but uh, that with braid round the end. And it's, it's really a very handsome frock. And then I have a white dress, which I think must have been a wedding dress, which is dated, I dated anyway, about 1875. And it's uh, really, they've been preserved. They're preserved in a wonderful fashion. And then I have a black uh, beaded frock, which is a later date, but it's uh, it's very nice. And in fact, I suppose uh, could be worn. A lot of these more more up to date frocks, shall we say, frocks of about eighteen about about nineteen forty, nineteen thirty-five, forty, could really be worn today because uh, young people are wearing are going back to the past for their frocks. Well, you uh, have these four standing here. And you obviously have a lot more. I have, a, yes. I have a lot more, uh, which if I could get models for, it's very hard to get figures which are small enough in the waist uh, because the old frocks are all very, uh, the ladies, of course, had very small waists. And so it's very hard to get them. I'm looking out for some shop which has old models stuck upstairs, which uh, they haven't used for the last 50, 60 years, that are stuck in an attic somewhere. That's really, if somebody has something like that, that would be ideal. Some of them have the hoops as well. Some I don't of know them. what the technical name is. Yes. <laughs> Some of them, yes, would come out with a sort of a hooped effect. But um, then I have a few dolls, a few old dolls. And, of course, if you've been to the Doll Museum, to the uh, Childhood Museum of Childhood in Dublin, you would uh, really appreciate dolls because Mrs... Uh, Madam there has has a wonderful display, and I only have five or six, but they're really old dolls. There are two or three that are really old dolls. Then I have a few u dress uniforms, which are rather handsome to look at, different uh, dress uh, red uniforms. What's the red one there with the uh, blue tail on it? Well, some of there are the Enniskillens, and there are various ones, uh, which there are different regimental regimental um, there are three i think four or four different ones well i'm aaron ford and i go to school at st patrick's college in cavan and uh, i remember my first visit here i found it very interesting and uh, i've always wanted to come back uh, one of the things i'm most interested in is some of the old suits mrs ferris has here uh, here in front of us is one worn by a drummer boy at Waterloo. Uh, it's from it has his name on it, in fact, there. Yes. Private Nightingale. Yes. It's from 1815 at the Battle of Waterloo. Uh, it is covered because um, these, with considering its age, uh, it has become yellowed and worn with the years.
When sword and shield he marched along Until the battlefield came into view A bullet from the enemy came And laid him low at Waterloo and then one of the most important things, I suppose, interesting things that I have in the pig house is the bronze pot. Now, this pot was here when I came. It was when I was married here. Uh, I was born in Kalini. I'm not a Cavan native. And I'm the reverse of what usually happens. The uh, country girl goes to town. I Town girl comes to the country. Um, this pot was here. It was being used actually for coal. But this is a pot which, um, in in this uh, family is supposed to have been dredged up from the bottom of the lake, tied to seven others. Now, um, the information I have about it is that cast iron pots didn't come into use in Ireland till the 18th century. And uh, bronze pots such as, as this one were used for medieval times. And they, uh, this one comes from this group, as I say, which was found in Loch Ramor. And this would have been the type of pot used by Bishop Bedell to feed the starving refugees in, in 1641. He and, was very uh, well known, of course, in this He area. was very well known. And uh, in, uh, in uh, 90, whenever his seminar was, the, the um, commemoration for Bishop Bedell in 1971, I had the Bishop Bedell seminar. We had a big seminar here in, in Cavan to commemorate Bishop Bedell. And, uh, of course, the group came out here. But uh, this pot, uh, it's believed, uh, certainly Mr. Barron, who is a great authority on these matters in these parts, Mr. Barron of Bailiburg, Virginia now, he says that there was a small foundry in the plantation town of Virginia in, 1650, in 1626. And um, he imagines that perhaps the owner put uh, these, like in times of trouble, put this his stock and trade into the lake, tied them together and put them into the lake, intending to pull them up when the trouble was passed and perhaps was killed or goodness knows what happened never got and around never got around to it and this pot is um, is a very uh, fine pot and in fact it was one of the things that went to Japan in 1970 for Expo 70 um, 10 of my articles uh, were taken to Japan by the government to to address their stall the in the um, exhibition and the bronze pot uh, was one of them. They took um, oh, various things. They took the uh, sickle and um, bronze pot. They took the um, early tongs and various things. They had ten things, actually, mm. and the bronze pot. Well, now, right in of front of us here, we've got some very interesting old papers and magazines. Yes, well, now I've picked up, I very often go to um, Michael Mullins' auctions in, in Oldcastle, and uh, he sometimes has very interesting things that are really pig house items. And some of these old papers, I've got the Penny Illustrated paper, which is dated 1871. And then I've got the several uh, uh, Irish statesmen, 1919, 1917, that sort of, uh, of time. And um, A.E.'s paper. Yes. And uh, I've got quite a lot. I've got uh, them wrapped. Uh, I've got them in under cellophane because it's very hard to... Uh, keep these things and uh, I was very interested to note in one of the older ones which uh, isn't under our eye at the moment but um, way back in something like 1870 they were talking about uh, 
cleaning up and uh, land pollution. We, we think of pollution as being uh, a modern uh, phenomenon, but uh, apparently way back there, one of the items, I just haven't under my hand here, but uh, I made a note of it at the time, I put an arrow on it. Um, they talked about pollution, so it's not mm. uh, a new thing to come and to us. And we have uh, papers here connected with Daniel O'Connell. Yes, and some of the old papers are very interesting. I mean, it's well worth coming really to sort of set to and look at them because of course I'd take them out of their covers for anyone who was really interested in them. This one, John Bull, For God, the King and the People. Yes, yes. 1835. 1835, yes. I've got some very interesting books not particularly valuable, I'm not claiming, making any claims from that way, but still very interesting. And of course, any books of Irish interest, uh, but in particular, I'm very glad always to hear of. Or thing. I have various friends um, in the car, you know, various friends who will pick up things for me if they see them at auctions, who are very good about buying things for me. But um, do you find it's much more difficult to get material now? I find it much more difficult, yes. I think that a lot of stuff is going out of the country and I suppose people are more aware of uh, of the value of, of of old things because certainly I'm getting far less. Now I had thought that I would have got, I was rather disappointed in the early days that I didn't get more uh, in the way of patchwork quilts. I think I should have patch patchwork quilts and I only have two or three very small bits of patchwork. That was the thing that I was disappointed. I thought that people w might give me uh, old patchwork quilts that they weren't going to use in order to um, have them preserved and that other people could see them. But in actual fact, uh, I suppose they've become popular and uh, with that lovely display which the Kilkenny workshops had on, the Kilkenny design uh, shop had a beautiful display and there was also at Grainon a display of patchwork quilts. I suppose people are more aware of, of the value of them. I've got a lot of uh, serving plates and various plates which I have on a shelf up along the top of the ceiling uh, which are, are different now? well I, I don't know but I would say that um, I would say that they were about 80 or 90 years old that sort of age most of them I'm sure are, are up to that because they're very big plates if we had a roast to uh, take up some of those plates today they'd cost a fortune of course they're uh, not used nowadays are not at all used, these no, <laughs> no, really not too yes. big but some of them have very nice designs i mean the one there with the house is a very attractive house it's a bit too far up to see in the the next view of the scenery of country in the on the brown plate and the little inset uh, and of course the willow pattern and the willow pattern common, yes is common and uh, then in, in the in the other house, uh, interesting things I think which I think is interesting is the spit. I have an old spit there which I was. Well, maybe we'd move along to, to it. To it, yes. yes. Yes, we're moving into what was the garage, and then at the back was the turf, a turf house. In fact, when we began to clean out the back uh, from the turf dust which had been there for for. I was going to say generations, and I suppose generations. We found uh, it down in the ground. In fact, I was very sorry that I didn't maintain it, but we found the tyings for cattle. So it must have been a cattle shed uh, in the old days. But uh, as f in living memory, it had never, the, the floor had really never had the turf lift. You know, the turf was put in, and then the turf dust mounted, and it just got higher, and, and it was a, 
it was a turf shed and these tiles were there and we cleaned it out and put a, a chimney at the end. And I would like to take um, anything out of this that isn't folk. There is a, a certain amount that perhaps isn't. But I'd like to turn this part into a definite folk museum. Well, it has the folksy appearance about it. It has the folksy appearance, and it, but it's very overcrowded, and uh, it's it's difficult to... Um, well, at least you've moved uh, room to move around. You couldn't well, you move in a wee bit there. Yes. Yeah. Now we have churns and... Uh, we have the um, old dash churn, and then we have a small... Yes. Yes, I think that uh, the people making the butter must have had great patience because um, even making it in the little glass churn from the cream which I did during the war uh, was monotonous in a way enough without having to, to uh, keep going. But that, uh, that churn, and then uh, there's a little wooden cream churn and then of course the more modern uh, churns and a separator. And, um, and you've got the, the fan bellows there. I've got the fan bellows and I've got uh, a very nice uh, and a very nice ordinary bellows. See the good push there is in that. That was one of the bellows that went. That was the bellows that went to uh, Japan. And then, you of course, the, the, the open fireplace and, and then all the, the pots open and pans. fireplace. And you can hear the creak of the um, uh, the fan bellows. Uh, you know that was was uh, blowing the the uh, the flame up in the fire. And I don't suppose when it was in proper use, I don't suppose it made as much noise as that. I imagine it was kept greased, but in here it, it makes a noise. And you have some of the old griddles as well. And I have some. I have a lot of griddles, the different griddles, because and some of them are very interesting. Now that's a very interesting one because it's handmade. It was handmade by the donor's father-in-law, and uh, anything that's handmade naturally is uh, particularly particularly nice. on this table which are, are, are very nice I've got the um, that potato masher Joan Cody of Waterford gave me that and I think that's a lovely it's so smooth it's a, it, uh, a very nice piece of wood fine weighty one and fine too. weighty one for mashing potatoes and it's, it, the wood in it is lovely the smooth you can feel the sort of age of it the smoothness and then the um, goffering iron which is hard enough at least I haven't seen very many with the iron in it you, you see lots of the stands but the uh, goffering iron for um, ironing around the frills of caps and uh, jabots and things of that nature. And this is a ladle of some sort. And that's the, uh, yes, that's the, um, for melting the wax, to, for melting the oil to put on the uh, rush candle. That's the rush candle. Uh, this is the rush candle holder. That's the rush holder candle holder, yes. And... Uh, What's this sharp looking instrument it's here? It's just a little thing for boring holes. And it's uh, quite effective. It's just, you, you press it down, it's, it's, the it's equivalent to the modern you know, it's just for making holes for a little gimlet, nails, gimlet type things. thing. Yes. And th uh, that also is rather interesting. Now, I, I've never done anything with it, but it's the it's the model for uh, it's a mould for making the clay pipes. Uh, that cost me a lot of money, actually. And I, but very heavy. It's very very heavy. Type thing. Yes, yes. with the uh, impressed for the for the pipe, and uh, the stem presumably put something to. Uh, make the hole for the pipe. And this is the pipe that that's emerged. The, yes, the pipe that emerged. Yes. And what's the big... And uh, this I was very pleased with. This is um, 
the old railway notice, the, we used to have a railway running close to us here by, from Crossdorji to Chandra. Now the children who are here, we have two or three children, local children here, or young people I suppose are past the children age, um, they wouldn't remember it but um, we had a, a railway running on an embankment here and this is a notice, the Great Southern and Western, and this is a notice, any person leaving this gate open is liable to a penalty of 40 shillings. And of course, 40 shillings in those days was a lot of money. It's not like 40 shillings today. It's a big metal and it's a very heavy, strong notice that must have been bolted onto some of the crossing mm. gates. Because it would be important that they weren't left open. I mean, cattle would have strayed onto the, onto the track. And then <coughs> we have, um, I've got several nice old mugs, uh, kitchen mugs, but nicely glazed, nice finish on them. Pretty Any pretty made old. locally? Uh, no, I, I have one which is somewhere, which is a money box, which is supposed to be made down about, about uh, um, Marble Arch down there, but that's, um, I don't know anything about those. But the scenes on them, the views on them are very nice. Now there's a little one here that I got in the Dandelion Market, which hasn't got a handle, but <coughs> it's very nice. It's um, a donkey race. And it's the picture, the, the uh, design is very clear and very nice, and it's very nicely uh, glazed. And uh, it's really, I think it's a work of art. Very I think it's nice lovely. Indeed, it's unfortunately not got its handles, but that's yes. uh, its handle, but that's all these things. And the hen is uh, laying an egg for us as we and wait hen, here. Yes. <laughs> and uh, what's uh, this uh, big machine here in front uh, of us? That's it? the spit. And I was very pleased to be given that. I got a present of that, and it's a spit with the spit jack, the brass spit jack. You put it up, it's, um, it's an iron contraption on three legs, and you stir it in front of the fire, and open the little door at the back, it's a, a noble shape. Open the little door at the back, and you were able to baste the meat. And you wound it up in the, in the brass spit jack, you wound it up with a key, and this went round all the time, just like a modern electric, uh, uh, contrivance that you see a chicken grilling on, um, spitting on. Uh, this just kept going round and round and round in front of the fire and cooking the meat. And as you can see, it was made for a large piece of meat. You can imagine Certainly a very was. big piece of meat hanging down there to feed a very big household, because in the old days the households were big. Now that's the watchman's rattle that I have. And um, you can hear it, it's very noisy, and uh, it was used, it, they say it's early 19th century, a watchman's rattle, and I was given a present of it when I was in England, actually, my godmother in England gave me a present of it, and of course when the children come in, do it again, just give it another one, yeah, when the children come in, they're very tempted to, uh, to swing, because when, when you really swing it hard, it makes a very big noise. What was it used for? Uh, I think it was used for the watchmen going around the, the town to cry out any information. They, they uh, went around like that, you see, to draw people's attention to, to whatever news they were going to give them. Well, the cow bell was used in Switzerland. Farmers used to tie it around the cow's necks so um, that he'd know where they were to straight away because he could hear the bell uh, chiming away while the bow cow was walking around. And where did you get this, Mrs Ferris? Well, actually, that one I got in Liechtenstein and uh, 
uh, Michael was saying about it being on, he, it's on, on a lovely wide uh, leather strap around their neck so that when they uh, move at all, the bell moves because it's quite tight around their neck. And uh, when Michael was ringing it there, the, that lovely, uh, that sort of very slow sound as they begin to stop, um, I remember hearing it in Austria, particularly cattle lying down at night. They, they, you'd hear them slowly get slowly less and less as they, as they lay down. I brought one home and put it on my cow here. I have a jer had a Jersey cow, I have still, but uh, the Jersey cow at the time, I put it on, and we thought it was lovely. She seemed to take to it at once. She didn't fright at it at all, but we had an old gentleman living in the in a, in a farmhouse close, and he didn't like the sound of it. It kept him awake <laughs> at night, and we had to take it off. What are the visitors mostly interested in, Helen? Well, the old items, items that they remembered from their childhood. And they say, oh, I remember that. We used to have the one of those at home, various things that they see in the other houses. It's mostly like that. And things from abroad, too. That the items from the Holy Land and um, various things like that. You show the visitors around occasionally? Yes, I do. If, if Mrs. Ferris is not in or if she's busy, I show them around. Where do they come from, mostly? Well, all over the country, really. I suppose perhaps Midlands and uh, within an area of 50 miles, but uh, a lot of English visitors and a lot of Germans and Dutch, mostly Germans and Dutch in, in, uh, from the continent. And we had a very, I remember one particular couple that were very nice, we had a veteran, a veterinary surgeon and his wife from Tasmania. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. I had a sick, sick sheep at the time, and I very nearly asked him to come round and <laughs> give me advice. Yes. But uh, they were very interested. She had something to do with the folk museum. Now, I'm not just sure what, a tome in her own uh, town, and therefore she was very interested. And uh, last year I had particularly ni two nice Americans at different times, American ladies, who were really very interested in the museum, I interested apart from just walking around, but interested to give me advice and... and uh, and I had an English lady who was very interested in lace and she looked at my lace. Now we haven't commented on the lace because uh, it's too vague, it, it's not e easy to describe, but she was very interested. She was a lace maker and she gave me quite a lot of, in, uh, of advice. And of course I've got a book which I write down any advice that people can give me because I'm always eager to learn. So that if anyone comes and tells me anything about any article, I write it down in my notebook and then later I would hope to put it on the card which I have with the, with the thing. Uh, you put these on the donkey's hooves when it's gone out into the marshy bog so that it doesn't sink. And it helps it's, it stay. It's made of what? Wood and iron. There's a bolt here that you tighten it up on the hoof. And the wood stops him sinking in the marsh so that he can get about easier and much quicker. Now that's the sound of the um, hand thrasher. And this is a lovely little machine which I got from Mr. Joseph Duffy in uh, Carrigan Shannon, near Carrigan Shannon. And um, he had kept it in wonderful condition and uh, I was very pleased to get it. That's a hand thrasher and also the hand grinder beside it. Now, we, could we hear the, the, the other one, the grinder? Now that's the grinder and you can uh, Turn the handle at the s turn the screw at the side, which makes it grind the the corn thicker or 
finer or looser, as the case may be. It doesn't really make a lot of noise. It doesn't make a lot of noise, no. No. And uh, when was that in use? Well, I don't know, but I suppose at the turn of the century. I don't suppose <coughs> it was... It, I wouldn't think it had been used in the last 20 or 30 years anyway. Um, I'm very anxious to put... Actually, I want to put uh, the, it in a row to have the... Um, sickle to have it, it uh, to show it uh, sort of the seed going into the ground and coming then to be thrashed growing coming to be thrashed coming to be ba to be uh, ground and then cooked in the pot oven i have a pot oven at the end so that uh, when i i hope this year to get uh, uh, some co heads of corn and just have them there so that um, to show the young people of today how cumbersome it used to be as compared to buying white bread in the in the shops how the bread had to be uh, made. It's so here you're the we're upstairs now. Well, there's quite an amount of room here. Yes, there's more room here, and um, this gets a certain amount of heat from the r from the roof lights we put in, so that it's uh, it's really more aired, more warmer than the place below, and. Um, this is your famous collection of cheese dishes. Yes, my, this is my collection of cheese dishes. And Mrs. Fennessy is very interested in these. Maybe she'd like to talk about them. Well, it's a magnificent collection, about f over 50, all beautiful colors and designs, and each with a, a base and a lid, heart shapes and circles and flowers and designs. and All shapes and yes, sizes. There's even one, a wooden one. And, uh, all sorts of colours in them. Yes, too. yes, beautiful colours, beautiful colours, all patterns and magnificent, huge ones there. You see, we'd have a lot of cheese in that. And yes, it um, is. What, what period do these belong to now? Oh well, I would say they're over a long period. They, they would be. These would be very popular. Oh, 80 years ago, that sort of time. This was the bar, and I left, when we were doing it up, I put cement on both the sides, but I left the uh, cobblestones down the middle, because I thought they were rather attractive. They're the, the uh, stones that the, ca the cows stood on, you know, the um, hay rack, was the, uh, the rack was at the back. And this is a, a governess trap, a round tub trap, and um, it's iron shod, so that it's a good age, because it's, uh, it's not rubber shod, it's iron shod. And, of course, when I was married and came here first, I drove a lot in, in a round trap. They were very comfortable, and, um, as I say, they, they, they were the mode of conveyance at that time. And then we come to the uh, sidecar, a jaunting car. Now, it would be of a slightly later date, although it is pretty old, but it has the rubber tyres. So the that's solid tyres. The solid tyres. Oh, yes, solid tyres. Yes. So that that would be an advancement. And the lamp. And the uh, old lamp. Which would be carbide, was it? No, that would be a candle, I think. I think candle? those, yes, those would be candle. Those would be just candle lamps. Uh, I remember lighting the candles, yeah. And uh, then behind that is the uh, spring van, which I see on it is made by McDermott of Monaghan. That's, uh, again, an iron shot. That was at a lo I bought at a local auction. From daunting cars to wedding dresses, from gramophones to goffering irons, they're all to be seen at the Pig House Museum at Cornafane. Such a varied collection must be of great cultural and social importance in a rural area. And how important, no one is better qualified to say than Mrs Phyllis Ferris, 
who has cast so many pearls, if not before swine, at least where the swine used to be. Well, I suppose it teaches the everybody, but particularly the young people, how their, their country has developed and how uh, their ancestors lived. Uh, when they come here and see, for instance, the what they would think of as primitive cooking, the pot oven and the open fire, uh, I suppose it makes them realise what life was like in the past. I personally have cooked on a on a hearth fire because during the war we took out whatever range was here and uh, we cooked on the fire and in a very short time you got you could cook very well I remember making lovely cakes and roasts and all sorts in the pot oven whereas you you uh, if you're used to electric uh, electric equipment you think straight off that you couldn't do without it but of course in this day and age perhaps we'll have to go back to some of these things we've had quite a lot of of bus uh, loads of children on outings in fact we had one uh, a lot of children, little girls from Cady, uh, only a couple of days ago, and they were very interested and, and uh, went round. And, of course, we've had a few amusing incidents in that uh, last year a minibus drew up in the yard and I went out to the door and it was full of large, bronzed men and I wondered where they'd come from and uh, one man got out and he was a foreigner. And they were on a bus, t on a trip in Ireland, looking at pigs. There were pig farmers. I think they were from Holland. I don't just remember. But they were looking at pigs, and they saw the signs. And, of course, they saw a pig and thought they were coming <laughs> up. And they were very charming, got out of the bus Where's and stretched their legs. And, well, I suppose they were disappointed. <laughs> they just looked into the pig house and looked at the view and stretched their legs. They were very nice, but I had to laugh. <laughs>